Pandora's box is about to open wide. Welcome once again to Pandora's box, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you've had a good day out there. Whatever you've been doing, I am Sergeant Sperm Whale, <laughs> um, broadcasting this out to you in the lair with my compadres. Hello, gentlemen. Oh, yeah. What's Hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, Hello, everybody. Ooh, 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 yeah. I am ooh. Abacus. Hello, Abacus. And this is... I'm Lightworth. 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 Hmm, interesting. <laughs> Sounds like something from, um, like, Twilight. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God, that's Lightworth. I'm Lightworth. He's a really ancient vampire. Wearing my white hoodie today. Oh, yeah. Lightworth. So mm. he is. So he is. Um, we were just been talking about how, um, you know, we like our Roman facts on... On the PB, and mm. so do you. And um, yeah, it seems to be like quite a hot topic recently. Mm. So um, we're going to be really trendy, as much as it pains oh, me. Oh yeah, I don't like really being trendy, as you can probably tell <laughs> by my visage. But um, yeah, we're going to be we're going to jump on the bandwagon um, and and get on some some Roman facts. But you know, let's face it, we've always liked our Roman facts. We've mm. always said some Roman facts. Mm. So uh, I think one of the things that's so cool about um, the Roman Empire's impact on the UK is just literally how many um, cities that we uh, we still have today were built by the Romans. I think that's like a quite like a fascinating... Um, the beautiful stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that people don't even realise how many there were. I mean, obviously, um, to kick things off, obviously, the, our capital city, London, um, you know, was founded by the Romans. London, the word itself, is a bastardization of Londinium, which um, is a, it was a Roman settlement. It mm. was. It, it wasn't. I don't think it was considered when it was settled. Although it's our capital city today, I don't actually think it was the most important considered the most important site in the UK. I might be wrong in that. That's just like something that's my, my the d- depths of my brain is telling me something to do with the waterways or something like that. Um, but obviously, after a few hundred years, um, became sort of like yeah, one of the most important sites in the UK, along with. Uh, York, which was also another uh, Roman founded place. It was originally, the, the Romans called it Aboricum. Oh, okay. Aboricum, yeah. Aboricum. And then obviously it, it quite famously during the Viking period um, became almost like the Viking capital city. So uh, when there was sort of like Dane law, um, as they knew it, sort of like the north, uh, the north of England was basically inhabited by the Vikings. The south of England was inhabited by the Saxons. So it was like, you know, London... Londonium was sort of like our, our the, the Saxon capital, but in the north, the capital was was Jorvik. So yeah, Aboricum, then it became Jorvik, and then eventually evolved into York, which we know it as today. But yes, yeah, so many, so many um, places that are still 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 going today that were made by and founded by the Romans. So um, let's let's just literally do, give a quick list off of um, all of them and any sort of more no, notable ones. If I know anything about them, I'll sort of get into it a little bit more. So. Um, Alcester, uh, which was which was called Al- Aluna by the Romans, uh, Aldborough, uh, which was founded as Assyrium Brigantum, uh, the, a real famous one which is very close to us here in Somerset. Um, obviously, one of probably Somerset's most famous uh, city, Bath. Um, oh yeah, which was, which was known by the Romans as Aquasullus. It was used, obviously, as a, you know, the, it was called Bath. Obviously, there was lots of Roman baths that were made mm. there because they found lots of like hot springs and stuff underneath the city. Um, lo- lots of uh, to this day you can go and visit the mm. Roman baths have you been there um, to the several Roman times. baths oh, several times I haven't times. been once I've, all, I've always wanted to go mm. yeah, yeah very interesting I mean it's like it's mad when you consider how old it is like about 2,000 years old essentially mm. how good shape it's in and the fact that like the bath is still almost like, just full of water and you could just go and mm. almost have a bath there today mm. I, I think, wish it was still in use I, I think, think, I think they do every now and again let you really 
Yeah, it's essentially treated as a museum, but I think every now and again, I can't remember, I don't know if it's like a certain day of the month or if it's just more rarer occasions, but I am pretty sure that every now and again, they will let you use it. But it's one of those things where I think it's like a very limited amount of people. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know how you would even... Is it is it also one of those things where like with, with all of the buildings in the city, mm. um, are they are they as they were then as in like or were they or were, were the buildings like built upon the foundations of what I don't it know been like I don't then? know actually how many buildings that are in Bath now are obviously original buildings like mm. that I can't imagine that many structures it definitely would have grown over the years yeah I can't I can't imagine that many structures would be like you know because that stone that really then. like that mm. that typical architecture all around bath looks really roman i don't stuff, know off the top it? of my head what type of stone it is in bath i mean i can say obviously certain ones it definitely isn't but um mm. yeah i mean i'm no i'm i'm no mason mm. you know i'm no like stone expert but yeah it's that very almost like white chalk chalky mm. isn't mm. it um sort of stone big sort of like hard slabs of stone i don't think that bit's roman though is it is it not i don't think so I'll have a search, but I've got a feeling I went what bit? the actual stone of like the buildings in Bath nowadays. What you, what do you mean? Like you, like Drew was saying, it looks very like Roman. Like that's how it would have been back in the day. But I don't think that's how. I think it was like a different time period that the then built that, upon all the stone of that. that they were quarrying was probably the same stone, same stone, just because it was regional. Right, right, right. Do you know what I mean? Right. If you, if you mean the buildings, the modern buildings, obviously yeah. they weren't built but by the Romans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah cool. um, but yeah, just to like give, run through of um, some more Roman settlements. So uh, I have to say, some of these I've never even heard of. Um, bruh. <laughs> bruh. Bruh. That's like B-R-O-U-G-H. Mm. It, might, it might be pronounced slightly differently. I don't know. That was founded as uh, Paturia. We have um, Blitz Wells. Um, people don't know what that Romans called that, but that's a place apparently that we know was built by the Romans. I guess mm. it's because of Roman artifacts and things like that. Um, there was uh, Cairnarfon, which was uh, known as Segontium. Uh, Caistor, or Thancaster, which was known as Caistor. Cambridge was founded by the Romans. Obviously, Cambridge, one of, the, one of the most famous places in the UK. Um, obviously, very famous because of Cambridge University, which mm. is one of the best universities on the planet, you know, and one of the top two in the UK as well. Um, so Cambridge was founded by the Romans, and it was called uh, Juro Liponte. Uh, another obviously famous Roman settlement, Canterbury. Obviously, Canterbury a very famous place in the UK because of the Canterbury Tales. Mm. Um, obviously, we met um, a guy that we had, we released a sort of a, a Pandora's Box podcast and on the radio quite recently, we, we, we uh, met and interviewed a, guy, a musician called Sam Brothers. Really nice guy, loads of talent. Um, he told us that he um, spent a lot of time in Canterbury, didn't he? And he was mm. saying that it was a lovely part of the UK. Like fantastic. It looks pubs. magical when you when you walk through mm. it. Yeah. yeah, and as I said, it's sort of like a part of a uh, of British um, sort of history and culture, isn't it? Because of the Canterbury Tales and how famous yeah. they mm. are, you know. I think you know. But yeah, yeah. Again, founded by the Romans. Uh, Cardiff was founded by the Romans. It was called Tamium. Um, Carlisle uh, was was founded by uh, the Romans. I had a lot of um, a lot of my ancestors come from Carlisle, oh, nice. um, mm. and that was founded originally as as uh, Lugavallium. Lugavallium. Um, it says here, Carlisle, capital of Britannia Valentia. I have to say, I'm not going to lie, I don't know exactly what that means. I assume, obviously, I don't know, maybe they gave like districts or something like that, mm. and that was the, the capital of that district. I'm just sort of like guessing. But um, Carmarthen, um, maybe some of these places sound a little bit Welsh to me, so I wouldn't be surprised. But I do know that I do know that there are a lot of Roman castles and stuff in Wales, so it would make sense. Um, Carmarthen was founded as Moridinum. Moridinum. We also have Cataric, which was founded as Cataractonium. 
Uh, Chepstow, Chepstow, ah, Chepstow. Um, founded as Venta Silurum. Chester, another quite famous place, was uh, founded as Diva Vic Victrix. Chichester, um, quite quite close to us, um, was founded as Novio Magus Novio Magus Reginorum. <laughs> um, we were Sirencester, um, lovely place. Sirencester, I've been there lots and lots. Or is it Sirencester? Sirencester. Sirencester, you say it, don't you? Yeah. Sirencester, lovely place. Um, quite yeah, quite close to us here in Somerset. Was founded as Coronium Dobonorum. I like the uh, older names. They sound so mm. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish sure. we kept them. Mm. Yeah, it would be cool, wouldn't it? I mean, all things, I guess, just evolve with time. Mm. But yeah, Sirencester, what a lovely place that is. There's, I know there's a Roman museum there. It's, um, you know, there's been like quite a few. Actually, we, we went there with you, didn't we? Several I was just going to say, oh, God, that sounds awesome, but I can't <laughs> remember it. Yeah, we went there. It was like a, re I think it was like around Christmas time and it was really cold. I remember oh. we all had like beanies on and like jackets. Is that where I got the, um, the where, where I got sheepskin? The sheepskin, yeah. And yeah, I remember, I and then that. just before we left, we went in a pub and I had one of the nicest pints of beer oh, I've ever had, yeah. my, ever had in my life. And I searched for the, like the, the, you know, the, the, the brewery afterwards. I just couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> so it must have been like a real small... One of those secrets like, of history. Yeah, yeah like local brewery lo close to Sirencester, I guess. But yeah, I was really annoyed um, that I couldn't ever find it. But yeah, that's a lovely place. Yeah, Roman Museum. And it's just a lovely town. You know, they often have markets, really nice like antique shops and things like that, mm. you know. Uh, just a great place. Great place. Very, very classy place. Um, any other noticeable ones? Uh, or notable ones, sorry. Um, Colchester, we have. Um, Doncaster. Uh, Dorchester. Dunster, uh, Durham, Exeter, Gloucester, Hereford, Ilchester, Leicester, mighty. Lincoln, Lichfield, uh, obviously, yeah, London, I've already talked about, Manchester, Monmouth, Norwich, Newport, Portsmouth, Rochester, Salisbury, Silchester, St. Albans, Whitchurch, Winchester, and Worcester. All these places were founded by the Romans. Like, uh, just insane how much of a impact on our modern society the Romans had. Mm. I, th I find it fascinating, really. I mean, the Romans had such a massive impact on the world. Like, even us sitting here in the UK, you might think, well, you know, how much of an impact really did the Romans have on us? And it'd be tempting to think that, like, you know, if you were asked on the fly. But the more you look into it, you know, our, our, our culture is, to this day, massively influenced by the Romans. If the Roman Empire had never existed, a lot we wouldn't have a lot of our settlements. They'd very certainly have completely different names. We probably as well wouldn't have evolved at the rate we did culturally, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like even say when the Roman period sort of ended and then the Saxons came and the Saxons were sort of the big dogs in the UK. Mm. Um, it almost know. seemed like we devolved a little bit at that point. We did a little bit, but um, we had trade routes and links to Rome. Opened up, yeah. And the reason why, say, the Saxons could read and write, well, they couldn't all do it, obviously the poor ones couldn't, but some Saxons could read and write, but say the Vikings who essentially genetically were like pretty much the same as the Saxons. They couldn't was because of the Saxons links to Rome. Mm. Obviously the, the Saxons also had trade routes going all the way to Rome and as a result to further uh, other places in, in the world, much further east. So people in, in, the, uh, in England, even in say, you know, in like 900, 800 AD could have had artifacts from Constantinople mm. in their houses mm. in a modern day Istanbul mm. you know which is quite it's insane really to think. Mm. whereas mm. Vikings were very insular until they started the Viking you know sort of expansion and they started in you know dabbling and in invading and raiding and stuff like that they had a very insular culture they were basically out in the middle of nowhere up in like Norway and Denmark and Sweden 
and they didn't really have anything that they didn't make themselves. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why they became so addicted to raiding, because mm. they would start coming to places like England and oh, France, and they'd be like, this is so good. There's, like, there's a lot of good stuff yeah. in it. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you, could, you could raid a monastery in like northern England, and you could find like some gold cross with like all these amazing jewels inlaid in all of it that was made in Rome by some like, m like a mad smith in Rome, probably like 500 years before that event even took place. Mm. And they, the Vikings wouldn't have ever seen anything like it before. Mm. You know, they wouldn't have ever seen anything like it before. They would have just been like, this is insane. Mm. Some of the precious gems you probably couldn't even mine in the UK mm. or in Scandinavia. So they would literally would have never seen it before. They would have just been like, it would have been like as exciting to them. This is going to sound a hilarious analogy. <laughs> but you know when you play like a fantasy video game or something and you just can't believe almost how good it is? That must have been what it was like <laughs> but in real life. You know yeah. when you find like an amazing sword in like a cave after like defeating a troll or something? <laughs> or like some mad enemy. Yeah. It must have been like that. Like the quality of the steel was better. Mm. Mm. All it, of these amazing artifacts. It must have been mad for like the traders as well. Like things like the Silk Road and stuff mm. and how, how the, it would take like three years or something to yeah. do it there and back to, to where you started yeah. and just the amount of different things and play you, you know it'd be a whole experience of just going through all of those different places and trading and all that it's like it's so it was a very much more long form thing mm. it wasn't just like oh i'm gonna pop there like how no, we are no. now we're just like doo, 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 go anywhere it was this like yearly like years long mission to mm. to kind of do it all yeah know? i mean it's like sort of i mean to this day we still have the word sort of like missionary don't we you'd be if you were like sort of like a missionary you'd be basically like devote years and years of your life to go on a oh what do they call it Pil not pilgrimage, pilgrimage. Yeah. yeah pilgrimage yeah, yeah. so you'd be, you'd be going on a pilgrimage and like sometimes and it wasn't even just like you know like sometimes literal like literal princes or even kings would sometimes yeah. go on pilgrimages mm. and they would literally yeah walk the trees all the way to rome so you would say like you would say goodbye to like a loved one and went on a pilgrimage to Rome. You wouldn't see them for years. Yeah, and then they would eventually so come cool. back. They would almost like go on this like holy quest. Mm. And the experiences that you would get from all those different things. You imagine know. how exciting that would have been as well. Mm. Imagine, imagine right growing up. Say, say you grew up where we live now, mm. but imagine it was like you know no obviously internet, no television or anything. So you were living in a society you that you. If you're lucky, you can read and write, but really it was only the very very rich and monks that could right. So you, ever, you just probably hear tales of these like, other amazing places in the world, but you only know your climate, right? So like, we obviously are very spoiled. Like, we know what a Mediterranean climate is like because we've been to the Mediterranean. We know what- mm. we, we can we, pop there quite we can, we can look at pictures of the Sahara mm. Desert. We can look at pictures of, um, you know, like African, um, you know, um, oh, what called, you know, savannas and stuff with all like the elephants and stuff. You know, we, we know what it looks like in our mind. We can picture in our heads the, what the Amazon jungle looks like because mm. we've seen it or the Antarctic. No, these people wouldn't have been able to picture any of this. Do you know what I mean? They wouldn't have, they might have heard descriptions of some of it, but Holy then imagine quest. going on this quest and you literally catch a boat to wherever they call it to. I imagine it was, uh, you know, I imagine it was to, it would make sense that it was somewhere like Dover because I imagine that they were sensible enough still to catch, um, sorry, from Dover to Calais because it's, mm. you would mm. probably want to go the shortest route and they probably yeah, figured yeah, that yeah. out already because let's face it, in those days as well, it was very dangerous like going on ships. So imagine that. Imagine, let's just say, I don't know for certain if that's where they end up, if that's where they would go. But imagine, say, you end up in Calais, right? And it's like freaking 800 AD, 900 AD. And then you essentially, yeah, maybe either, either walk or on like horse and cart all the way to freaking mm. Rome. Imagine that journey. Imagine mm. the sense of adventure. Yeah, man. And you're coming into these new lands where people don't speak English or what we now would think of as English, like, mm. you know, old English. So what they were speaking at the time, the Saxons were speaking at the time. And you're coming across all these like... um. Franks, you know, the people that are modern day French people. And then you're going through all these places, you know, you're walking through uh, maybe Germany, I don't know. And then and then eventually, uh, you know, yeah, through France. Oh, actually, you probably wouldn't have to walk through Germany. 
Yeah, yes, yeah, right through southern France and then into into Italy. Just mm. would have been insane. Mm. And then imagine just standing in Rome as like a guy from Somerset, say, mm. as like a guy from Bath, mm. and just being like, "Whoa!" With like the Mediterranean climate, the different food, the cultures. There would have been people in Rome probably from all over the world. I imagine, mm. not all over the world, but a vast percentage of the world. Yeah, yeah. would be absolutely insane. Like, what? What? what uh, It'd be nice to journey. know just like a, a year or more of your life is just sorted as well. Of just like that's what I'm doing. You yeah. know, just kind of yeah. like have this like mission that is such a long one like that, where yeah. you're going to be in a different place every day. It's really cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, and almost like not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring. Mm. You know, mm. um, I always think it's mad as well. Obviously, with the sort of the cities came um, our road, our roads as well, like UK mm. roads, which a lot of them, some of our major roads to this day, were built by the Romans. Mm. Yeah. So it's estimated that about two thousand miles of roads were built by the Romans. That's crazy. I, that we still use today. Yeah, yeah. I shared a picture. Of, I don't know if you saw it the other day of the uh, the the different layers of the A three hundred three. So uh, uh, over the did, thousands no. of years, like thousands wow. of years going back, you can see each kind of layer, what it was in, yeah. in, in at that time period. And it's like so interesting from, you know, how long it's actually been there. You know? mm. what, what's amazing is some of the Roman roads that are still there today uh, were clearly far better built than modern roads. Yeah. I think we are, how many roads in the UK are built that were built within even the last 10 years uh, constantly having to be potholes filled mm. in and stuff like that mm. and there are roman roads that have basically been untouched yeah for like essentially like a thousand years i mean you drive down these roads sorry, every single week years, there's a new pothole yeah, and yeah it's just like i don't even really get how it happens but like you say roman so, roads yeah. remain just 2, undefeated it's 2, ridiculous years old, yeah i mean yeah so it's, it's interesting so good it's um yeah they were they were originally sort of uh built to sort of carry sort of troops and military supplies um but obviously subsequently provided vital infrastructure but yeah, commerce, trade, and transportations of goods all over the UK. Um, it goes on to say here, a considerable number of Roman roads remained in daily use as core trunk roads for centuries after the end of Roman rule in Britain in 410 AD. Some routes are now part of the UK's national road network. Um, some have been lost or are of archaeological and historical interest only. Um, crazy, isn't it? After the Romans departed, systematic construction of paved highways in the United Kingdom did not resume until the early 18th century. That is another amazing thing. So think, the Roman roads were built about 2,000 years ago. Systematic construction of paved highways in the UK did not resume until the 18th century. That's essentially a couple of hundred years ago. Mm. Mm. Don't you think that's mental? Yeah. yeah the, Romans would do, the Romans built our roads 2,000 years ago, and it wasn't until about 200 years ago that what were then the British people were essentially mm. how we are now the British people. We should add to it a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just crazy. Like, that's crazy. It's mental. I mean, uh, think two hundred years ago. Essentially, if you were lucky, you'd have a horse, and if you say wanted to journey somewhere, it, you would go down essentially like a. It was like a beaten path. Yeah, but it wasn't like a proper road. It was yeah. like a beaten path. You know, it was like essentially the grass had stopped growing because so many people. Were walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like mad, absolutely crazy. I think yeah, the Romans. You know, were in some ways they're a controversial people because obviously they did a lot of bad. Um, as well as a lot of good in the world. But I think that's natural with human nature. Um, and I think there's never been a group of people, a civilization that I've you can't... Only done good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, we're human beings. I mean, yeah. is, there, is there a single human being in the world that's only ever done good? Mm. Of course not. Mm. Um, I think, you know, the Romans are fascinating. Um, and as I said, they, they certainly did some atrocities and were certainly barbaric in some ways, whether you're thinking about the gladiatorial arenas or, you know, they certainly enslaved a lot of people and killed a lot of people. But they also brought a lot of good stuff to the world, you know? Mm. Here's a question for you, mm. right? And this, to be honest, this is the trend. Yeah. You know, I said to you, this is like a, a, a rising trend at the moment. This question is the trend, mm -hmm. right? And the question is, 
how often would you say you think of the Roman Empire? For me, I would say I'd probably say daily, because I just love history and yeah. stuff like that. I would probably say daily. Yeah. I don't know how much daily. I would say, like, it doesn't need to be like a like yeah. an hour long pause. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's not a simple pop into your I'm mind. Not, I'm not saying that like every day I, sit, I spend an hour thinking about the Roman Empire, but there might be at some point. I it could be as simple as I um, see a glimpse of something on TV that's a television series and then I think about good television series and then I think cool that Spartacus Blood and Sand was a really good television mm-hmm. series and that was <laughs> yeah. obviously about the gladiators in the Roman Empire so that was like yeah that's thinking about the Roman Empire mm. it could be um, I'm scrolling through my YouTube and I followed this guy called School of Gladiatora and he's put up a new video talking about a gladius mm. which is obviously like a Roman type of sword so I'm that's me thinking about the Roman Empire mm. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it could be, I think, probably almost daily. Yeah. And I think it obviously would just vary on the uh, on the day how much time is devoted to that. But yeah, I would say daily almost. Yeah. What about you, Drew? Um, I wouldn't consciously ponder uh, the mm. Roman Empire mm. that much, but, um, but I think it's in... in popular culture, it, mm. it's still quite prevalent. So mm. it, I'll come across it quite a lot, like, you know, mm. so then... But I probably don't consciously think about it too much yeah, unless, yeah, yeah. unless we're on a pod and we're talking about it or the thing something is, like The that. thing is, I think everyone thinks about it more than they would realise. Because, say, even... Every, yeah. Like, think think about how... Um, I mean, just think about how many different things you think about in a day. You're never <laughs> yeah, going yeah, yeah. yeah. to remember how many there are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it lot, could just pop into your and mind. And, like, and most of the time, you're not even thinking about the fact you're thinking about it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just on this trail. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're wandering through 100%. these things. But think, think about how um, popular even, say, like, Latin phrases are. Well, Latin was the Roman language. Mm. So think about how popular phrases like memento more, you yeah. know, um, veni vidi vici. Mania. Yeah, invictus mania, veni vidi vici. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's like so many uh, Latin phrases which are really, really famous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very common for like bands or clothing brands, you know, sorry, bands or clothing brands yeah. to have them on album covers or Roman t-shirts. Numerals. Yeah, I was numerals. about to say Roman numerals. Yeah. You Roman numerals, see that yeah. at least once a day. So yeah. if you see that, you're essentially thinking of Romans then. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like really, uh, yeah, it's like the the possibility. It's hard to that, avoid. It's hard. Yeah, it's almost like it's, it's hard <laughs> to avoid those Romans. They're still yeah. living out in our culture yeah. today. It's still it's good. They really have like beaten time. Mm. Yeah. Like it's weird. Like, like we we're saying with their roads, mm. they beat time with their roads, and now they they still beat time with their uh, presence. I suppose everyone still thinks about them, and that's almost what the trend became: is that everyone thinks about them. Like at least you know, at least people would say at least once a week, but like realistically daily when you're considering all of those different things that are yeah. still so popular in pop culture and yeah i would say especially in in the uk where they've had such a massive uh, impact yeah yes. definitely you know i mean think we were talking last week about hadrian's wall because we were talking yeah. about the sycamore gap and everything mm. who built the hadrian's wall yeah you know what i mean it was like the romans built it so even what's been a, a, a big topic in british media in the last month or whatever however it's been it's probably about, it was about a month ago now wasn't mm. it three three to four weeks ago i'd say that the the sycamore tree was was felled in sycamore gap but um yeah even that like that's been in the you could say every time that's been brought up in the media you're, mm. you're thinking about the romans mm. because it's like every time they're saying oh yeah sycamore gap at hadrian's wall hadrian was a roman emperor mm. you know it was the wall was built on his command by romans like that was literally you're thinking about romans then you know mm. did you ever see the bbc dramatization of uh called rome no, I didn't. Oh I've heard man, you'd love it. it. Yeah. I, I, it's so good. It's one of those like really high budget, like yeah, you yeah. know, um, capturing the essence of some of their cities mm. and and their ways. It's really good. So just because it's sending me off on a right tangent in my mind, you could even argue every time you even think of London 
or every time you even hear mention of London in the media yeah. or Bath or York, you could even you could even say that that is you're thinking of Rome because mm. they they founded all the places. Mm. The, the remnants, the of names, Rome. especially somewhere like London, where it was literally like Londinium, and it even had the word like London in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's so almost similar to the original word. You said you could argue that even every time we think about that, like how mm. often as British people do we hear the word London? It's our capital city. It's one of the biggest cities in the world and one of the most multicultural, if not the most multicultural city on the entire planet. Like, of course. Everybody yeah. probably in the world hears of London yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unconsciously touched by Rome always. Mm. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it's, it, it is insane, man. Absolutely insane. I always think it's like, um, I, I thought it was like pretty nuts. Uh, I heard quite recently, they um, obviously they're, they're like excavating Pompeii all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and apparently, uh, I think it was quite recently. Well, I heard about it recently anyway. I think it was fairly recently. They they um, excavated a a wall I think it was it was either a wall or a floor something like that and it was the first ever drawing they found of a pizza <laughs> and I just remember thinking that was like a cool little thing you know yeah um, I can't remember off the top of my head when Mount Vesuvius erupted which was the volcano that very essentially buried Pompeii mm. but um, yeah so I think it's the oldest depiction of a pizza in the world. That's cool. And now you can just go to Pompeii and see it. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That Apparently cool. it's not exactly the same. They, they can almost like tell, like archaeologists have like, you know, looked into it with other historians and it's not exactly the same way that I say a pizza would be made today, but it's essentially a pizza. Right. So it's like the earliest ever depiction in the world of a pizza. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Again, even that. See, that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. Even things like every time you eat a pizza, you could argue you're thinking of the Romans. <laughs> yeah. Because we wouldn't True. have pizza without them. True. You know, it's crazy, man. It's like the... Imagine a world without pizza. Damn. Let's face it. How many people do you know that if you asked them and they said, what's your favorite food? They would probably say pizza. pizza. Yeah. I'd say it's a super common one. Oh, a hundred percent. Like who doesn't 100%. like pizza? Yeah. Mm. How can you not? Do you both guys really like pizza? Of course. Yeah. I freaking love pizza. Yeah. I, I, reckon love it. I reckon it's probably one of my favorite favorites if not my favorite food mate uh, can you imagine how weird it would almost be if you were with like a bunch of people and you were like should we get pizza and somebody was like no i don't like no, pizza you, I, i'd almost be like sometimes what? some people are like <laughs> no i don't like cheese and i'm like cheese on pizza that's so good yeah i think it's a yeah, very, yeah it's a really rare thing not to like cheese though, isn't it? because i've heard yeah. like some people on the other end of that say like a vegetarians and they're like yeah i'd be vegan but i, I can't give up cheese Mm. I, don't, yeah, I don't know why yeah. they talk like that, but that's my impression of a vegetarian that especially loves cheese. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would be vegan, but I just can't give up my cheese. It also know. sounds like called Karen. Hi, I'm Karen, and I I would be vegan, but I just can't give up my cheese. I like a bit of brie, you know, on a Sunday after my roast. All right, Karen. <laughs> but yeah, man, Romans nut bars. I do think it's mad as well. Like, imagine being um. Say like, imagine living in like a Roman settlement. Uh, so let's just say Rome, because obviously the Colosseum is the most famous gladiatorial mm -hmm. ring. Imagine being like a just a normal everyday person in Rome, um, and the same way that people go to football matches, rugby matches, cricket matches, boxing matches today. You're just like, oh yeah, oh, oh there's like the, the games are on on Saturday. The gladiatorial mm. games are on. Do you want to go? Oh yeah, okay, man, yeah. And like, yeah. think you go with your mates, or you go with your missus, whatever, and you <sighs> go to the gladiatorial arena, and there's literally. Uh, like Thracians there, there's um, Germanians, there's freaking um, like Picts from Britain mm. there. There's all of these, there's, there's Gauls, there's Gauls, you know, like Asterix and Obelix, they're mm. Gauls. Um, there's all these, essentially what the Roman uh, soldiers have taken almost like the best warriors they found from like throughout the Roman sort of world and just made them all just fight each other. Mm. And, the, and just like seeing these like, you know, these absolute Would units of guys, which have then been trained 
even more so. These guys with raw talent that were like savage warriors in their own right. And then they've just been trained essentially by, I think often the, the Roman gladiators were trained by, uh, say, like an older Roman gladiator who was like a champion. I mm. think that's, oh, that was like often the case. Probably not always. I don't think it was like a rule. But so I think by this guy who was essentially like, a, it, would, it would be a bit like going to like a, like a martial arts class today and you're obviously getting trained by like a black belt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, just just imagine that. And then you're just watching, what, essentially we're probably like some of the best fighters on the planet, if not the best fighters on the planet, just like fight it. Man, to I'd death. love it. It'd be mad. I'd love it. Imagine be the, the being in the crowd. It'd be like watching UFC, but there's like higher, oh. higher mm. stakes. Well, of course higher it would be higher stakes, man. Cause it's like crazy. These, like more often than not, they die. Yeah. Oh, man. Like I love the, I love the story of the fact that they flooded... The, they flooded the uh, Coliseum. Coliseum and then had, had naval war, battles. Had warships yeah. fighting each other I'm not in sure the if, Coliseum. I'm not sure if that's a fact, but there's lots of evidence that makes archaeologists think that that might be the that's case. That's just crazy, isn't there's it? There's like lots of things about the Coliseum which point towards the fact that they might it might have had things in place that would have allowed them to fight. I it. thought it was like Julius Caesar's, like he had a celebration or something for some reason. Right. And because, and because of that, that was when they had the huge yeah. naval battle between boats in the Colosseum. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't know low specifically about the subject. I, I know that I watched a documentary on it a long time ago, like mm. probably about 10 years ago. And the whole almost like uh, subject of the documentary was like, was was the Colosseum used right. for that or not? Mm. And it was basically, it was like one of those like pros and cons things. And right, it was like, right, right. Well, you know, people that are against it will argue it would have almost been like impossible even with these suits. But then the people are saying, well, why would these, there are things that we can still observe in the Colosseum which would almost be pointless in, in le- if they weren't using it to, mm. to put water in there, mm. you know, to essentially stop the water from draining out. And I can't remember what the end result was or what yeah. people think today because it might have advanced. They might know for sure or not nowadays. You might They might know for sure and that's why you think it's a fact. I don't know. But it's something worth looking into anyway. Um, can, you, looking, yeah. can you go inside the Colosseum? Yeah, I think so. Is that something you can do? That's something that I've always wanted. Like, of all the places I want to go in the world, I think that is one of the things I want to see the most. I went, the in, Colosseum. I went in the gladiatorial arena in Pompeii. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I remember it. Um, was that like massive as well? It was pretty massive, man. Yeah. It was pretty damn massive, yeah. And it was almost like a mad. A mad. I remember like, um, like I, I sort of knelt down and I picked up some of the sort of like dirty it's almost like sandy dirt it's hard uh-huh. to describe do you know what I mean it wasn't sand but it's almost you know when it's like that it's not like UK mud yeah it's almost like the same colour as sand and it's almost like a bit more like grainy than our sort of mud and I remember just putting it through my hands and I almost like wanted to do it because I thought like like a gladiator's could have like walked on this yeah at, or like a gladiator's like blood could have been on this or something and I almost wanted to like almost like soak it in because it was mm. one of those almost like without sounding real cringe and cheesy it almost feels almost like a little bit like spiritual or something when you're in a place like that because uh-huh. like men have like fought to the death there mm. and like the stakes were so high you're literally fighting for your life and like how many men do you think died say in the Pompeii Arena like hundreds if not thousands probably yeah thousands yeah pro- probably thousands yeah. if you're being extremely conservative you could say the upper hundreds but let's face it more, more likely thousands of mm. people fighting to the death and. That is in itself almost like that residual, yeah, again, sounding a bit cringe, residual almost like energy from that. You mm. know what I mean? Just knowing that so many people died in this one place mm. and like the physical energy of like fighting with every ounce of your being to the death and not just, not even fellow gladiators. Mm. Often we know that they would bring in lions. I was going to say, bears, yeah, the hunts. Or tigers. Yeah. And then they would, they would pit you against, the, there's, there's a type of um, lion 
that is now extinct and the, basically the Romans made it extinct because they brought them to Rome so much to fight in the gladiatorial arenas. Whoa. So that's how often they did it. That's mad. There's what? a whole subspecies of yeah. lion which is literally extinct. That's actually crazy. I'll find out the exact name the of, of, of the lion. Um, what lion did the Romans make go extinct? I think it's crazy as well that um, they used to stage hunts where they would find like exotic animals. So they would have had, like I'm, I'm reading here, like crocodiles, giraffes, <laughs> hyenas, like animals that, pe- these elephants, yeah. animals that people wouldn't have actually naturally seen would have just been in the Roman Colosseum for people to go, you yeah. know, run about and kill. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like the fact they would stage big hunts with like huge, you know, I imagine like decor of trees and shrubbery. So it'd almost be like you are out in <laughs> Africa hunting these animals. And then there's just yeah. a huge giraffe that you've got to like fight. Crazy, uh, it's, man. it's funny as well, because let's face it, right? It's, it's really cruel. Um, yeah. And, you know, nowadays, rightfully so, obviously, you wouldn't ever f- find anything like that. I mean, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure there are places like illegal black market places in the world mm. where you can probably pay some dodgy ass man to like go into some weird giant basement somewhere and watch like a lion fight a bear or something. I'm sure there's like the odd case of it in the world, but let's face it on like a, on like a global (laughs) scale, there's no like first world country on the planet that you could, that would, that would be considered okay. Mm. Um, And rightfully so, but let's face it, right. You can't say it's not fascinating. No. Mm. If, if somebody said to me like, look, uh, say I was just put in control of like, say like the UK, do you obviously want to like, sanction lions fighting bears and spring over there? I obviously would say no, but I would be lying. If, there I, was I, a I would, period in time where that was actually happening. Yeah, yeah. but I, but what I was going to get as I'd be lying if I if I didn't if I said that the idea wasn't fascinating. To yeah, me. yeah, yeah, definitely. The, 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 definitely. The, the sort of the childhood boyish part of my brain, like yeah, I want to freaking watch a bear yeah. fight a lion. Uh-huh. Yeah. I want to see who wins. Yeah. Do you, do you think 100%. there'll ever be a way in any kind of technology that we're able to develop to somehow see into the past? Like actually, how it was. Well, the- I, that that excites me to think that that could actually happen. Like the, yeah. the, all of this, this mm. this history, this human mm. history, we could actually somehow like delve into it. Yeah. Like 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 we said before with the Assassin's Creed thing with the DNA. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how it it would be, but some kind of technology to actually f- so that we could like f- actually recreate it and watch it. Yeah, I well- think I think we'd be able to create it. Mm. So it was like our creation of what we know it was like. Mm. I don't know if we could ever actually look there, at it if there, you know what i mean there is actually like almost like a, uh, a scientific um sort of explanation of that explanation is probably not the best word there are accounts of people throughout history that have described events which are now sort of universally called uh time slips and the way that science tries to science doesn't say oh yes 100 percent this happened but science say like theoretically it could theoretically Whoa. um we look at time as linear because of the way that our lives are and because, let's face it, our brains are designed in a way to make us understand the environment as easy as possible. So it's very easy for us to understand time in a linear way, but it's not necessarily linear. It just seems linear to us. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, is that with a time slip, what scientists call like a time slip, is that you could almost like accidentally see a part of time that you weren't in. And there are literally accounts of this happening. Mm. Like people have have like reported. There was a famous one I've seen pictures um, as well that where there's like people that look like they're in the wrong time and stuff. Yeah. I, I think they're probably less credible. Mm. I have to say, I think they are probably less credible. I think it would be a lot easier to say like, like one with a guy with a phone or something in like a really yeah. old picture. I, th- I think stuff. that things like that are probably a little bit more ex- explainable. Um, but I do think that some accounts are fascinating. There's a real famous one that happened in Liverpool. Let me just quickly find the exact event and we can talk about it a little bit. It was um, Bowl Street, Liverpool, right? So this is an account of a time slip, which is a very, very famous one, mm. one that happened in the UK. 
Um, Bowl Street Liverpool. Let's quickly find out some more information about imagine this. Imagine if this was something like you say that we managed to harness. Yeah, this is what I mean. Like, imagine if it if it happens. Mm then there must be a reason why it happens. And mm. if we found out what that reason was, we'd be able to back engineer it. Mm. <laughs> like, right. you know. So this is the bold, the legend of the bold, uh, oh, bold street, sorry, bold street time slip, right? So uh, have, have we got it so you can people can watch oh, yeah, on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so um, for people listening on the radio, uh, we put, also put Pandora's box out on YouTube and Spotify. If you want to see what we're bringing up, because um, we put the video out on YouTube and Spotify, then, then go on Pandora's box podcast on YouTube or Spotify, look us up, Give us a follow, um, and then you can watch the videos as well because we bring up some pictures and stuff sometimes to help with, explain what we're talking about. So I've got a picture up here of, of Bold Street, and um, one of the pictures on the right-hand side looks almost like Victorian-era Bold Street, um, and on the left, sort of modern-day Bold Street. So this is this is the story. Um, Bold Street, Liverpool, is famous for its vibrant atmosphere, eclectic mix of shops, cafes, and restaurants, and also its intriguing urban legend involving a time slip. Uh, the Bold Street Time Slip is a fascinating urban legend that has captured the imagination of locals and visitors alike in Liverpool. This peculiar phenomenon suggests the existence of a mysterious time portal on Bold Street. According to the legend, individuals have reported experiencing inexplicable time shifts while walking along Bold Street. They claim to have been momentarily transported to a different era, where the surroundings, architecture and even the people appear to belong to a bygone time. Stories of the Bold Street Time Slip vary, with some claim to have travelled back to the Victorian era, while others report being transported back to the 1950s or 60s. Witnesses describe encountering vintage cars, period clothing and retro storefronts, creating a surreal and disorientating experience. Legend has it that in the 1990s, a woman had a strange experience while walking down Bowl Street. As she was strolling along the street, she suddenly felt a strange sensation and noticed that the surroundings had changed dramatically. The street was now filled with old-fashioned shops, horse-drawn carriages, and people <laughs> dressed in Victorian attire. I love that. Astonished, she found herself transported back in time. According to her account, she interacted with the people she encountered on this apparent journey to the past. She described speaking to shopkeepers and passers-by, who seemed unfazed by her modern appearance. And eventually, after some time had passed, the woman suddenly found herself back in the present day, standing on the same spot on Bowl Street. News of her supposed time split spread and Bold Street gained a reputation for its mysterious occurrence. People became fascinated by the idea that the street could be a gateway to another time. Some individuals claimed to have had similar experiences, while others remained sceptical or viewed it as an urban legend. The Bold Street time slip story has captured the imagination of locals and visitors alike, adding an element of intrigue to the street's character. It has become part of the street's folklore, attracting curious individuals who hope to witness or experience the alleged time slip phenomenon themselves. While many regard the time slip as a captivating tale, there is no concrete scientific evidence to support the existence of such a phenomenon. The accounts are primarily based on, the, on personal anecdotes and urban legends. However, the story continues to be passed down through generations and adds an element of mystique to Bull Street's identity. I do think um, the reason that uh, obviously made me think of that, well, obviously because of what you said, um, but that is just one example that sprung to mind. There are obviously... Uh, Sort of accounts similar all over the world. I, I remember we spoke I did about one, one on Mystery, Mystery Mondays. Mondays yeah. and it was about the, the the woman who, and it was like there was a. Oh, it was a what was during it? the French Revolution? It, yeah, she she saw. Um, didn't she think she saw Marie Antoinette or something? Yes, like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And she, it was actually yeah. in those grounds. Where, I can't where remember she lived, the, the, but, but a, she didn't know she lived. She lived there, and she mm. went into like one of her houses that was her actual residence at the time and stuff. Wasn't it that like ridiculously famous like palace in France? Mm. Or what was it called? Like the Versailles, Versailles, Palace of Versailles. The Palace of Versailles. It yeah. might have been the Palace of Versailles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Palace think, of Versailles. I think it was. Yeah. Um, crazy, crazy. But um, yeah, so that's that's another account. There are several others as well. But um, I mean, who knows what to make of these and things? Like, you know. You know um, 
it's interesting as well what you were saying about the almost like the energy imprint of like the gladiatorial thing because mm. um obviously paranormal things really interesting in that and i remember meg told me that story that she had in the, in the woods of Ludlow, oh yeah yeah, yeah. And, the, and it was like she 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 saw like ghosts but there was like there were like firefighters and there was like horse and cart and carriage and mm. children all dressed in like victorian um and uh like attire and um there was this massive fire there that had happened like hundreds of years before and it was like a well-known like thing after when they researched Mm. into it like this huge fire that pretty much wiped out the whole village and it was almost like they were like experiencing that like memory of that in the land you know it's like man my my mum had one really similar like within the i'd say with that within the last year i'd say i don't know exactly how long ago it was but um yeah, and apparently she was literally just like she was looking after my daughter Evie, and she was walking through one of the sort of like fields that goes. You can basically take take these like fields from my mum's house. She lives about half a mile at the most from my grandmother, uh, my mum's mum. So uh, the quickest way to get from my mum's house to uh, my grandmother's house is to walk like the back fields. Um, so you could walk the roads, but it would be about twice as long. So you just you can take the fields and they sort of go all around the back of the houses, um, and you sort of end up near my grandmother's house. And she was walking. Um, through this field, like a farmer's field, essentially. And um, she was walking along, and then uh, she said that this woman was just, like, coming the other way, but was, like, all in, like, Victorian dress. But, like, you know, super cash about it. Mm. And then sort of walked past him and was just like, good afternoon, or whatever, and just said, like, good afternoon quite formally. Just carried on walking. And my mum said, you know, at first, you, you know you know when I was, like, you're caught up in the moment, and obviously Evie was probably chatting to my mum, so blah, 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 blah. And then, she, so at the time, she just like it, almost like you assume things that are like almost like strange at the time. Like, oh, that must just be like a lady for some reason dressed up in Victorian clothes. Mm. But yeah. she said later on in the day, she was like sat down. She started thinking about more about how weird it was and was like, "Man, like did I like see like a freaking ghost or something?" Yeah. Or, you know, or it could have been like something mm. like we described, like a time slip or something. Because that I mean? like, would have probably been like a director route, like back in the day in the village for like for yeah. like people well, to get yeah, around. Of course, you know, because it's just like the back, like you know, there's literally like you know little. Uh, you know, like little tiny wooden bridges over the mm. over the streams mm. and stuff. So it would have been like a common route, I imagine, yeah. for hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and she said the more she like sat about it, sat down and thought about it, she was like, man, it, just, it seemed like strange. And it was the way that the lady, like you'd think, almost like I understand that not everyone would do this because like not everyone's so chatty, and some people might almost feel a bit embarrassed or something or self conscious, so just almost like walk past very quickly. But um, I think a lot of people would be like, "Oh yeah, like I'm I've, I'm dressed up because I'm doing like the village yeah. play or yeah. something yeah, like that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not just be like we're almost like really stern in this Victorian clothes, like looking all immaculate, and just be like, "Good afternoon." Yeah. And then, like, walk past. <laughs> so, I mean, like it's almost like a bit odd. I think that's something I'd like to do Still at some point. You know, you said you know you said you want to like dress, dress up, up as Bigfoot. Bigfoot. <laughs> Yeah. I'll dress up as like a little Victorian child and just walk around. <laughs> Good evening, sir. I like I like how it's a, vic- a little Victorian child, not a Victorian man, a little no. Victorian child. You're going to dress yeah. up as Tiny Tim. Yeah, from- which would be quite, uh, I feel like I'd have to Please, shrink sir, myself a little can bit. Can I have some more? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would do the full voice and everything. And then yeah. I'd, I'd like run away as soon as they turn away as well. So then they turn back and I'd be gone. Yeah, be like, yeah. What? I wonder oh if anyone's God. done that, like just fully dressed up like that and just pretended and really it would just be tried fun. stuck oh, to mate, it for 100%, ages. Yeah. yeah, 100%. I saw Rama clip the other day of a supposed, quote unquote, supposed Bigfoot sighting somewhere in America. I can't remember what it was. Did you see that? <laughs> no, but this sounds funny. But it looks like that suit from like Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> remember that like, you, like American sitcom where like basically like a Bigfoot like lived with a uh, family? But um, let me try and find that quickly because that was actually pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, by the way, just to finish off what we were saying, the type of lion that the Romans made go extinct because of their use in the Colosseum was the Barbary lion. 
So there used to be a species of lion called the Barbary lion um, that was used in the Colosseum to battle gladiators. Thousands of these cats were slaughtered during the reign of Caesar. These lions were also kept in the menagerie at the Tower of London and were offered as gifts to royal families of Morocco and Ethiopia. So yeah, unfortunately, Mm. I'm pretty sure that these Barbary lions are extinct today. Um, But yeah, a, a, a whole species of lion. They look cool. They look majestic as hell, man. Yeah, Lions really. are epic, dude. Epic. Yeah. Do you want to come and have a look? Boy? I do. I can tell you do. Look at that. Look at that bad boy. Look at these. Look at that. Oh, look at that mane. That is a mane and a half. Mane and mane. That is mane That's and mane. There's a little depiction there of a gladiator fighting one. Damn. Cool, isn't it? As brutal as it is, and as sad as that like really is that they went extinct due to the like fighting, I think it is important to remember the context mm. of like like we say like. It, back in the day, it wouldn't have been... Well, uh, I don't blame the gladiators. Yeah. They weren't doing it. Well, yes, it's <laughs> definitely not that stuff, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Imagine that, like, <laughs> right, what am I, what, what's on the itinerary tomorrow, master? You, like, say to your... I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. There's a name for, like, the guy that was, like, the head of the gladiators. Um, it's somewhere in the depths of my brain. I can't think of it off my head. Like, oh, what's the, what are we doing tomorrow? Right, you're basically you're fighting a lion to the death. <laughs> so basically, you've two options: you either you either try and kill the lion, or you get mm, eaten by a lion, ripped to shreds. It's, it's mad how like oh. normal things can become as well, yeah. just culturally and stuff. Yeah. Just to, just with a shared idea about something, yeah. you know, like even mm. when you think of like people in hospitals that have to deal with the um, amount of gore, like constantly mm. with like you know uh, really bad injuries and all that stuff you've got to kind of normalize it a bit mm. more and it's like you can almost, it's weird what you can do with your brain like that sometimes you, you yeah. could almost make like drugs as an, an analogy so like let's face it right like drugs ethically and morally right they're not good i'm talking about like things like meth and like, mm. crack mm. and heroin and stuff like that you know what i mean like it, and even like pharmaceutical painkillers do you know what i mean that people are addicted to especially in like um, uh, north america mm-hmm. Xanax. Um, yeah, lots of them are, lots yeah. of lots of uh, you know oxycodone, oxy- oxycodone, and lots mm. and lots of the drugs that um, people are allergic to, painkillers in, in North America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we're just trying our hardest to think of everything. <laughs> but um, you know, like morally and ethically, we know they're not good, but there's a demand for them. So the demand mm-hmm. means that it will keep happening. You could see that in the mm-hmm. same way. Like, yeah. look, is is a man fighting uh, a lion to the death morally or ethically good? Of course it's not, but culturally there would have been a massive demand for it yeah mm. Do you know what i mean it would have almost been addicting to watch something like mm. imagine it's your first time in rome say i don't know you're from i don't know uh monday france or something or you're saying from from spain right mm. and you're over as like you know um spain had like big, big links with um rome a lot of um popes and stuff have been spanish so imagine say like you know you're some spanish guy right you're you're in italy and then they're like oh man have you ever been to the Colosseum before no tomorrow there's a freaking lion fighting gladiators to the death mm. Do you want to go see it You'll have experienced nothing like, like it. In your you'd life. go and see it, and you'd yeah. probably want to watch it again. Yeah. Like, yeah. and it's almost like at the time, it's easy easy for us to judge now, but it would have been normal at the time. Yeah, yeah. And you would forever for other person, you'd probably be like, "Well, I don't, I, I don't make it happen. Yeah, I'm not like, the one that's sanctioning this." But, but let's face it, it's freaking fascinating to watch. It like, would have been no different to how now we view football. You know, yeah. oh, or, you want to go see the, you, you want to see the said, football like game? UFC or something? Yeah, yeah or yeah, UFC yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember the story about that monk who um he was he was out of Rome for years and years and years and years like for 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 his whole life in a monastery mm. and he and he went to he went to Rome mm. and um he'd never experienced it, no knew about the gladiator thing and that mm. but he like walked into the center of it and was like stop <laughs> like what are you doing and he got stoned to death and it was a real Whoa, famous story I don't think I've ever heard that yeah I think I said about it on the pod Did once you? ages ago yeah I can't remember the specifics of it but it was like oh, look he'd up. had this um, he'd had this like this this vision or whatever that he needed to go to like I think it was Rome mm. it was somewhere where there was a gladiator like um, yeah 
ring and everything. And um, yeah, he went there and it was and, and and he tried to stop it, but he got stoned to death. <laughs> and then Jesus. oh, and it, and it was after that that they stopped. They stopped it. They put, oh really? They, yeah, I think that was, I have heard this yes, story. I, this they, is ringing the bell. They, they, that this was is it. That the was bell, why definitely. it was significant because yeah. after that they stopped um, like the gladiator matches. Whoa! I'll look yeah. it up. We're almost That's at the end of the first crazy. hour, so we're going to have to stop in a minute. But I'll I'll start looking it up. Stone to death um, in the gladiatorial arena. Yeah. Um, so even Mark. though it didn't seem like it worked at the time, he actually got what he was looking for. Mm. Yeah. They stopped killing each he other. He became a martyr. Yeah. As exactly. It's they always say that, don't they? Like, you know, you've got to be careful not to create martyrs and mm. stuff like that. Saint Telemachus ah, that's it. was a monk Saint who, according to the church historian Theodoret, tried to stop a gladiatorial fight in Rome in a Roman amphitheatre and was stoned to death by the crowd. So we'll look into that a little bit more in the second hour, guys. But we've come to the end of the first hour. Thanks for chilling with us on Pandora's Box today. Oh, yeah. Got a little bit of music for you. And oh, then nice. we're back. You're not in Kansas anymore. You're on Pandora, ladies and gentlemen. Respect that fact every second of every day. If there is a hell, you might want to go there for some R&R &R after a tour on Pandora. You've got to obey the rules. Pandora rules. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. For those yeah. listening on the radio, um, that last track was Limpit. Brook by Ngowan Ring. Before that, we had The Circle by Trobar de Mort. And before that, we had The Maid on the Shore by the John Renborn. The John Renborn group. <laughs> to pick up where we left off, we were talking about um, Drew brought up the monk that um, basically became a martyr mm. and got martyred because he got stoned to death in the Colosseum and how that ended uh, the. Oh, not the Colosseum. I think it was a, a different sort of type of gladiatorial arena, but essentially put an end to uh, um, gladiatorial arenas and, and those sort of like barbaric fights and stuff. And, uh, yeah, just to give you guys a little bit more information, it says, uh, after the Emperor Constantine already did everything possible to put an end to the barbarism of the Colosseum, um, in 404, the shows completely ended. The battles were abolished following an accident in which the Greek monk um, Alamachio, I assume that was his Greek name, or Telemachus, as he must have been known in, in Latin, um, was killed. So there you go. Mm -hmm. And that put an end to the gladiatorial arena forever in 404 AD. As I was saying to the guys while um, those songs were playing, I know that um, the Stoic philosopher Emperor Marcus Aurelius did actually also put um, an end to the gladiatorial arena for a while. Um, but as it's sort of depicted in the in the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe, um, his his sort of crazy son Commodus just reinstated them mm. again. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously in the movie, uh, Maximus goes on to be a, a gladiator himself in the mm. arena, and that's basically what the movie's about, isn't it? What but, yeah. a guy Marcus Aurelius was. Mm. Oh man, what a guy, man. Hey. I mean, I can imagine yeah. uh, like someone like that trying to to put a stop to like or change the way things are for a mm. more like higher. It was just a very way. wise and enlightened man. Yeah, you know? so or much so that he still created like probably the most popular form of philosophy to date. Like you would say, Stoicism is probably he the most. He didn't create it. Is he not? Uh, he's, a he's, just a he's a stoic right. philosopher. He's a stoic right, philosopher. Right, right, right. I don't think he created he it. He created that book called Meditation, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. amazing. I'm yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I mean, I might be wrong because I say I haven't actively looked into stoicism in a long time. But I'm pretty sure he wasn't the guy that invented it. Isn't I think that the like, like, most sold book ever? What meditation? Meditations. I didn't even buy it. It's so old you can get it for free. Yeah, and stuff. I've got, or maybe it's like the most. What the most purchased book of all time? Purchased, that? maybe. Yeah. What is the? Most I have a purchased? feeling it's meditation. What is maybe the most I'm purchased or what the is the most Bible. read? What do you want me to put in? What oh. is the? What is the most? Or should I say read? And then yeah. I can look at Harry Potter or the Bible. 
<laughs> nah, Harry Potter wouldn't be up there with Lord nah, of the Rings, man. Nah, nah, nah. Oh, well, in a very boring answer, it says the Bible. Yeah, I no. see. There you go. Woo! There you go. <laughs> I feel like that's quite like a boring answer, isn't it? Yeah, you know what I mean? apart from the Bible. Yeah. Second most. The Christian Bible. <laughs> um, 25 best-selling books of all time. Let's have a look at this, shall mm, we? Interesting. 25 best-selling books of all time. Number one. What is, well, they're here on this one. It doesn't include the Bible, but maybe it's because they're like excluding that because yeah, that's almost yeah. like not fair. I don't know. Um, oh, they've actually said in this article, this page includes a list of 25 best-selling books of all time. Um, although it's worth noting that some religious and political books, such as the Bible, Quran, and quotations from Chairman Mao, <laughs> are believed <laughs> quotations from Chairman Mao, <laughs> Chairman Mao, um, to have become more than a billion copies each in existence. However, sales numbers for these books are nearly impossible to track because many are given away by churches or governments. Mm. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, 25 best-selling books of all time. Um, number one, Don. Uh, Cazote by Miguel de Cervantes. I don't know that one. 500 that. million copies. Of, I've, I've heard of it before, but I don't know what it's about. A Tale of Two Cities, number two, by Charles Dickens. Mm. Number three, The Lord of the Rings by Yay! Tolkien. Yeah, baby. Number four, The Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Don't know that one. Uh, five, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It's so it is the, up there. I, do you know what? That really annoys me, right? <laughs> they put here, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It's Harry Potter's and the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? but for the American audience, it was changed. And they, do you know what they changed it? And the thing is, right, this isn't this isn't even so much. I'm not actually dissing the Americans here; they're dissing themselves. American publishers decided to change it from the Philosopher's Stone to the Sorcerer's Stone because they thought that the American population wouldn't grasp the, the just the the word philosophers. Oh my god! Which I think, like, like guys, give your own population a bit of credit. Like, yeah. Like to me, I think like. How is it any harder to grasp a philosopher's stone than a sorcerer's stone? Like, <laughs> yeah. surely you've heard of philosophers before, or like philosophy, the same way that you've heard of sorcery and sorcerers. Like, I didn't like that it was changed. Like, and also, yeah, that would just annoy me. If I was Tolkien, um, Tolkien. If I was um, Rowling, Rowling J.K. Rowling, I would, yes. I would just be like, no, mm. I'd be like, no, just it's philosopher's stone. Yeah, I wish really you did say me. no. Yeah. Um, in number six is And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie so I was way off <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> number seven The Dream of the Red Chamber by Kiao Zenquin number eight The Hobbit of course by Tolkien Yay! as well number mm -hmm. nine She A History of Adventure by H. Ryder Haggard <laughs> number ten The Lion The Witch and the Wardrobe oh. by C.S. Lewis eleven The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown oh, yeah, I read that twelve Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill um, and yeah, I'm going to probably just leave it there, guys. Um, it goes on. There's some more Harry Potter books in there. Um, there's some other ones. The Alchemist by Paolo Oh, Calo. I've read that as well. Um, Alchemist. 100 Years That's of good. Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, Anne of Green Gables by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Uh, Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. Black Beauty by Anna mm. Sowell. Um, yeah. Interesting. I'll take my L. <laughs> I'll take my L. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, to be honest, man, it's, to be, I, I do sympathise, though, with you because, I mean, Sometimes, unfortunately, and I think it happens to us all, and that's why I always say so much. I've, I've I definitely made a mention of saying it in, on Pandora's box before, like, check your sources, mm. because there's a lot of misinformation out there in the world, mm. and there's a lot of people that say things as if they're facts, but the fact of the matter is, is that they are just wrong. Mm. But unfortunately, we, we see things, uh, it could be on social media, it could be in a newspaper, it could be anywhere, all the time, it could be in books, um, and 
you almost like innocently think, well, if I read that, then why would they lie to me? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you yeah. think that must be a fact, and then you find out afterwards that it's not, and then you almost feel cheated because you've almost been made to. yourself look like an idiot. Mm. Because then if you say something, and then people like fact check you, and you're like wrong, you're almost like ah. Oh. Mm. But it's so important to check your facts. I thought that with the Nephilim pictures. And it's like you see you see these like people standing next to these like burial sites with these giant huge skeletons. giant skeletons. And I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. Like, yeah, yeah. oh look, they were giants were real, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, nah, it's just a stage like oh. archaeological dig. Yeah, man. Hmm. Um I think nowadays, especially in the last couple of years, because of AI generated images, you can't oh. trust anything you see now. No. What makes me laugh is because I follow like quite a lot of um different like mystery like mystery pages and paranormal pages and stuff on like facebook and instagram and stuff and the thing that makes me just i just i'm just like man some people need a lot of help is that like there are clearly ai generated images that i just put and it seems and also i'm like well isn't don't you think there's a reason why there's been so many more of them in the last couple of years since like ai generated images have become so easy to to do Mm. And there are still loads of people in the comments that are like, yeah, see, man, the world doesn't want us to know, but this stuff is real. And I'm like, and then there's like, obviously like so many comments like mocking that person then, but it's like, dude, man, Mm. just like use your freaking head, dude. Just because there's like a, a, what looks like a black and white picture of like a, like a werewolf stood next to a bloke or like a Bigfoot, like it's clearly AI, Mm. you know, there's like some mental AI pictures now and they're so Mm. well done. They do look around like cities and stuff. I saw these like underground Japanese like cities and stuff, uh, underwater, sorry. Yeah. yeah, And and they, they, they looked epic and I was like, whoa. Oh yeah. AI. Yeah. (laughs) I watched a, I watched a video literally this morning that was, um, it was Post Malone and Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan podcast and Post Malone was just talking about something. But I, it was like a conversation that I was sat thinking, there's no way that. this is real. Yeah. Like the conversation they were having. And I looked in the comments and everyone's saying, is this AI? And legit, it's gotten to the point now where there is no way to tell. Like, because mm. I was watching it. That I mean, it could Deep have been fake. real, mm. but everyone's thinking that's surely not real because yeah. AI just is that good nowadays. Deep fake CGI. It, it's ridiculous at this point. Like, mm. yeah, it's it crazy. is mad that you literally almost like can't believe anything now. I find that in some ways it's almost like uh, I, I bugs me a bit. Oh, yeah. it bugs me a lot. Man. I think I think, and this is one thing that I've almost like pondered myself in the last couple of years. I feel like, especially at first, but still a lot now, I feel like a lot of people think that things like social media and everybody having a voice and stuff is like liberating. The more that time goes on, the more I see it actually as more of just like a hindrance to society rather than a positive. Like, mm. don't get me wrong. I don't think that only certain people should have a monopoly on on on, on what is said and things like that. But I, I think in the past, it wasn't even necessary that there was a monopoly on what could be said. Like anybody could potentially, say, become a best-selling author, like a great author. But it was almost like you had to earn it. Mm. You had to be actually literate enough and mm. actually know enough about a subject to write a book about it and then people could use their own brains to realize to think if it was worth reading if it was it would end up getting bought a lot of copies and then you would become a well-known author whereas today any old person can spew any old rubbish and then unfortunately a lot of people will then just adopt that and i almost see it as a little bit like I don't know, like going into a nursery and giving like a load of kids guns and saying like, well, the military are allowed guns. Why can't these people? And it's almost like, well, that's because the kids like are just going to just shoot everyone yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they're not, not even going to know what it's doing. I, mm. I know that's like a bit of like a weird and extreme analogy, 
But do you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about in terms of like damage to society. Yeah. That my obviously analogy was a very almost like literal and extreme one. But it's almost like what what you're getting as a result of it is a lot of very confused people, a lot of people that are convinced that they are right about subjects that they literally could not be more wrong about. Mm. You know, um, and it's and it's just it's creating almost like division. It's creating uh, like ignorance. Uh, it's creating like a lot of things which are just like becoming more growing issues in society. You know, mm. um, you know, like self-promoted gurus on social media that mm. people have these have massive followings, and I don't really see them as any different than like a Charles Manson type character. Yeah, they're not trying to get their occultists, you know, their cultists to kill people. So obviously that's better than Charles Manson, but. It's still that thing of like, well, why do these people just loyally follow this? Can they not see that he is not only insane, mm. but essentially like his life philosophy is like not one that you want to be following. Mm. But whether it's charisma, I mean, look at Adolf Hitler. You know, he was a master propaganda. Whether it's like the charisma, they're just they're good at propaganda, even though they're full of rubbish. It's like they have obviously found a way to get a large following. And it's just... I don't know, man. I just think it's it's uh it is it can be it can be dangerous. It can be dangerous to the people, as, 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 and a lot of the times, mainly to the people that are actually following them. You know, mm-hmm. I just think it's um I don't even know how I got onto that subject. We need but, a truth mm. barometer. Yeah, <laughs> a truth barometer. That's I more I do clear. think it's really good on like Twitter, for example, now that they have community notes. Yeah, I think that was a really good addition. Like any post you see, people people can add notes that are literally will then be attached to the post. Mm. So if someone just spews out spews out rubbish instantly, you'll just have a little note attached to it saying, "This isn't real. Don't believe this." Like, mm. and then citing a source which proves that's the case. I think that is a really good thing to like yeah. help stop the spread of misinformation. Yeah, I think, I think some of that is really good because it's like yeah. So a quote your source and then um, check your sources mm. Mm. because. It'll be like, well, what's your source? I don't know, Frederick Downberry. And then you can look up <laughs> Frederick Downberry and then you might just and he's come... he's a real dinkle. And then, it's just like, and, then, yeah. and then it could be article after article of like how basically he's a con man, how he's an idiot. Mm. And then you're like, okay, well, now I know mm. in the future probably not to listen to anything this guy says. Mm. If it's like, oh yeah, this person is is a is full of integrity. He was like a, a scholar of Harvard and all of his contemporaries and his professors speak nothing but highly to him, say he was the most fucking clever guy in his class you know he's an honest guy he was the top of his class you're like well this is clearly a guy worth listening to yeah not only has he's proved in his life that not only is he a genius but he's actually full of integrity and honesty yeah so i can like all you know you could you should always use your brain and i don't think you should ever follow somebody like a sheep but you know that that is a person worth listening to at least rather than certain people who are like, don't even bother listening to them. Don't and I, I think it kind of ties into what exactly what you were saying a second ago. Like you're, tr- you're giving people the responsibility of trust to use this and not be a sheep. Mm. But there are a lot of people that shouldn't be given that responsibility because they will just latch on to whatever is thrown in front of them. Mm. No matter what it is, they're just going to latch on and go, this is what this is now how my how I think this is what I follow you know and and the more people that latch onto that the bigger it's going to grow because I think as soon as you build a following it almost promotes more people to join that following instantly yeah we were talking a bit about that yesterday weren't we mm. um because we were saying um me and Bullwinkle were having a chat about how you know with social media how it works is you know it, it can be like say it can be quite hard to say get like a thousand followers but once you've got a thousand followers, it's a lot easier to get two thousand, and then three thousand, and mm. four thousand, and then and then it's almost like a lot Snowball. of people say if they go on a page and they see that that person's got thousands of followers, they're more likely to just so instant because they think that it? person's must have something worth yeah. worth reading or worth seeing. Whereas if you go on and they've only got twenty followers, you're like, mm. I'm gonna follow them. It's mm. almost like a weird thing, isn't it? Mm. And I think to be fair, I think we probably are all guilty of it. 
But um, but oh, but you, you need to remember, like, well, that person that say has five hundred thousand followers on on um, Instagram once only had zero. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? So it's like you got to give people a break. Mm. I mean, just you know, because people are at different levels in their journey, aren't they? You know, people are at different. You know, that if so, if somebody's only just downloaded Instagram. Of course, they're not going to have five hundred thousand followers. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, you might do if you're like freaking, I don't know, like The Rock. <laughs> but yeah. that's because I you're think, already like, so famous. You it's, know, it's like it's like the self integrity is one of the most important things about it. Like almost mm. because like um, I was listening um, to someone talking about uh, like like censorship and and stuff in America and and what's going on and that and how it's in actually in the. Um, Bill of Rights, the the, mm. the kind of like about uh, the institution, of speech, mm. you know, freedom of speech and everything, yeah. and how important that is, not just to protect truth, but obviously to to, to protect people's just right to yeah, say what right, they want to yeah, say yeah, and everything. Yeah. So I almost don't think it's like the people because people can be idiots, like you say, there can be these like mm. people that are like. Mm. I almost don't think like they should be like censored or something like that, but it's just it's like the people. I don't think the people should be censored. No, like the people that it's are more the following them. It's more the platform. But but like the people that are following them, mm. like it's their own integrity of knowing not to follow them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like we we have the we have the like mm. everyone within us has the choice to either listen to someone or not listen. To them. And I know some people can be more easily influenced yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. but I think it's their responsibility in themselves to like not not the person that's like sprouting stuff and that because as soon as like yeah, even yeah. platforms start start like censoring people and stuff or saying oh they can't have a platform here yeah i think that's almost like a dangerous like game yeah i think it? i think it is and as i say it's not necessarily I've, I've, i'm like a, a massive obviously proponent for freedom of speech it's not so much it's more to me the issue is it's probably as i said it's the fact that uh, almost anybody can be given a voice instantly mm. and while i do agree with you that in an ideal world i think it should be you know the people should use their own rationale to like say who to follow and not i also think probably realistically um unfortunately that is probably that is an overly idealistic mm. um like idea i yeah, don't look think at what that, people actually yeah do. i don't they think that like literally how many people like nowadays would you say like Oh man, yeah. If I was in Nazi Germany, there's no way I would have followed Hitler. Mm. It's like but people do. Yeah, but actually, you probably would have done. Yeah. And that's not even like an insult. It's just yeah, like well, peer look, pressure and just and just the whole being of in Germany did tribe yeah. mentality. Well, like, not, yeah. like or at least the very very vast majority. Mm. You know, there's like the odd person you can see like in crowds, say like in like 1939 or 1940 of like Hitler doing a speech, and there might be like a like an infinite crowd, and you might see like two guys not mm. not not um doing the Z Kyle thing. Mm. You know, mm. like. So I think, although that's an idealistic way of thinking, and I would like to say that that would be the right way to say it, I think that history shows us that that probably isn't realistic, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, and it's um, it's like thinking about how to make it better. It's like, like, like from from children, uh, those kind of um, important pi points of how to be a good person, like that, how to be self aware yeah. of, uh, you know, all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, again, you that's, have to that that that's where the aim should be in like changing yeah, but the, people yeah, again. to be to grow up to be more people that will be able to rationalise and will be able yeah. to not just like have to follow like sheep, you know. Yeah, again though, in that instance, you have to hope that that child has a stable family. Yeah, exactly. This is what I mean. Dad, it's like what's whereas, the root of it? Yet though? again, unfortunately, although that would be nice, society is the a fact bit of crazy. the matter is is that <laughs> is just often not the case. No. Lots of children grow up in broken homes. Lots of children don't have a dad or a mum, obviously more often not a dad. Some of them, mm. for whatever reason, might not have an extended family at all. Mm. Um, so unfortunately, they're almost like going through life blind, essentially. Yeah. They haven't had because the... Because of the way everything is set up. They haven't you know? had the privilege of having 
you know parents to show them the way they haven't mm. had grandparents to help show them the way they mm. haven't had that 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 person almost like holding your hands and leading you down the path mm. so as a result you They've can easily have, go have the other person yeah. leading them down the garden path yeah so <laughs> unfortunately as i say it's, it's a bit like with the thing before it's, i think it's like it's a nice to think that that's the case but i just think it's not yeah. realistic that's why I, I think it's really good with people like uh, robert mm. kennedy and stuff now like what he's uh, tr trying to implement like if he becomes the president and stuff like what he says he'd be trying it seems to be like such drastic changes in society to how it is now that that could start setting the gear in the right motion for those that changes to start oh, i definitely happening. think he's got definitely good mm. philosophies in terms of him saying that you know he wants to almost like lead by example and stuff like that i mean i think that's that's basically the, the, gist. the medical industry mm. like i think all that, of that stuff yeah corporations the, the gist of his message is almost like leading by example i think and he wants you know to america to almost like lead by example and almost like to show okay this is a, a, a force for good in the world with decent intentions rather than necessarily beating down people through force or other means and i, I obviously i think that is yeah, hundred percent. That's that's a great way to. Mm. That's a great life philosophy to have. Um, what I was going to just add on to it quickly. Yeah. Um, do you think part of it is that historically and presently, uh, a lot of sinister forces are going to be the ones that are more likely to almost shove stuff yeah. down their throat and and actually yeah. force you to follow them. Whereas a lot this of people that are yeah. a lot of people that are actually the right ways to go and, and these well, yeah more enlightened characters aren't, aren't doing, doing that, that because yeah. they understand people need 100%. to make their own choices. Hundred percent, and that's just part of my like big issue with it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Part of my big problem with it, you know. Um, as I say, it's a uh, it's it's a uh, sketchy times, man. I feel like it's almost <sighs> right, a bit like the Wild West at the moment. I think that like <laughs> say in say like nineteen hundred era britain mm. say it was like 1900 in britain um yeah not everybody necessarily would have had an instant voice any everybody if you really wanted to put the work in could have had a chance to become an author and then get your thoughts and ideas out to the world and as i said if you had anything worth listening to then i'm sure you would have ended up becoming a success um you know anybody could you know you could you could decide to go down a career path of your choosing you know i mean like today obviously some people were born less fortunate than others that's always going to be the case that's that just is always going to be the case regardless mm. of what country you're in so um that's unfortunately just uh, just a part of life um, but as I said, I think it was almost like, um, in a way, it, it was almost like society was more filtered, and it wasn't for filtered. It wasn't filtered in a way to to pull the wool over people's eyes. I feel like it was it was put like that to make life to give clarity to people, mm. so that as say like a young person, you grew up with a goal, um, knowing um, things that were a bit more fact checked, and mm. you could grow up into a well rounded, confident sort of human being and not just that as a culture as a society you would then almost be more united and if you're a united society then you're going to flourish as a society if everyone's at each other's throats because every man and this dog has a different ideology because everyone fo follows some different guru on instagram who's telling them this is the way you should live your life and then the, your mate saying no this is the way you should live your life you're going to sort of beat each other's throats because mm. it's a little bit like that old religious thing it's a bit like the crusades well the christians think the holy land's theirs so they're trying to kill everyone well mm. the fucking muslims are saying that the holy land's theirs and they're trying to kill everyone well they think that well they know that they're right but they know that they're right mm. so mm. oh you're just gonna just just all gonna be enemies like join just all just gonna kill each other mm. like oh okay because <laughs> mm. both because all of you are right okay like you know mm. it's, so yes yeah, dodgy times man i say the world was a simpler place back in the day but um I think that's that's enough heaviness for today because I say um, some of these philosophical texts. I think they're good, but I mm. think you know sometimes you know. Um, I think for the people like listening, although it's like it's good food for thought. I think you know it's nice to keep it light as well and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so I think some some interesting facts. Let's let's bring back some interesting facts. Oh, for, at some point, could I do some interesting Roman facts? Yeah, man, hundred percent. We'll, um, we'll we'll bring it full circle back to the yeah. Roman thing in a little bit, but um, got some interesting facts that. Um, 
uh, I'd never heard before until quite recently, which I thought would be quite nice. interesting to share. Um, did you know that on, no- on the 12th of November, 1833, there was a meteor shower so intense that it was possible to see up to 100,000 meteors crossing the sky every hour. At the time, many people thought it was the end of the world. Did you say 100,000? Yeah. That's crazy. On the 12th of November, 1833. I remember there was another mad um, um, astrological event that happened apparently during Saxon times. I can't remember when. It was sometime around 800 AD in the UK. And I can't remember exactly what caused it. Turn the um, red or something. Turn the sky red. Yeah, I heard. Um, mm. And I, I can't remember for how long, but it was like for a long time, man. And yeah, people thought that it was like maybe the end of the world. Yeah. And apparently yeah. for like, and it wasn't like, do you know what I mean? It wasn't even just like during the day. It was like basically night and di- day ended for a little while. Mm. And it was just, the sky was just red it's all the time. Mad. Can you imagine? Like, it's, it's crazy. It'd be scary now. Yeah. And that was, that's even with like, you know, um, you know, like that's astro- what religion was more shoved down your throat as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. you think, oh my god, it's the devil. Man. Yeah, or the gods trying to come and smite me, do you? That's crazy. Did you guys hear that? Um, hear this about how um, you're going to be able to get a a uh, degree in in witchcraft? I uh, did see this. Cool. This is cool. Yeah, so it um, goes on to say that uh, in the ancient uh, city of Exeter, obviously in in England, um, three women were hanged for practicing witchcraft in the late 17th century. The last of such executions in England. Now merely a short walk from where the hangings occurred, the University of Exeter will offer a postgraduate degree in magic and occult science, which That's the school cool. says is the first mm. of its kind at a British university. Professor Emily Selove, um, the head of the new programme and associate professor in medieval Arabic literature, said the idea for the degree, which will be offered starting in September 2024, came out of the recent surge in interest in the history of witchcraft and a desire to create a space where research on magic could be studied across academic fields. Mm-hmm. Coursework will include the study of Western dragons in law, literature and art, archaeology theory, the depiction of women in the Middle Ages, the practice of deception and illusion, and the philosophy of psychedelics. Through the lenses of Jewish, Christian and Islamic traditions, lecturers will explore how magic has influenced society and science. That's got to be one of the most interesting courses you could take. I do think it's amazingly interesting, and I definitely think it'd be real fun, especially for like people that have grown up, say, loving things like Harry Potter. The idea that mm. you could almost like, actually go to a university and get like a freaking degree in witchcraft is insane. Um, I have to say though, like on the sort of the more like uh, to bring sort of like cons as well as pros, what are you really going to do with that? Like, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're dedicating yeah, yeah. all this time to that, and like going all this student debt. I mean, to be fair, I'm not saying that you can't. I'm just saying like. What can you do with that? It's another, a, it's, another it's thing a question. That like, I you could probably really get a, Sorry, just before you say, yeah, you could probably yeah, yeah. get like a job at like a museum, maybe. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. are. I know there's a museum in in Cornwall, which is like a museum of witchcraft or something. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. You might be able to get like a cool job there or something. Mm. But um, yeah, you're probably pretty limited. Yeah. But sorry, go on. What you're saying? What do you reckon? Because you know you have to get like results in certain uh, things to actually get into a university. Mm. What do you reckon the requirements would be to get into a that keen course? keen interest in magic. Yeah. Because normally it would be mm. like, oh, you need to pass like maths with this level. Maybe history or something. Yeah, like, by the sounds of things, if it said that it's like... Um, historical stuff. You know, mm. yeah. Mm. Well, it, sounds, it says like the, the things that they will be researching. course, it will include study of Western dragons in law. So yeah, you'd have to have a, law of, uh, a knowledge of mythology in history. Yeah. Literature and art. So probably, yeah, like good English, maybe art. Archaeology theory, history. Um, depiction of women in the Middle Ages. Again, yeah, again, that's history. Mm. Practice of deception and illusion. Mm, that's interesting. Maybe like psychology, mm. things like that. Philosophy of psychedelics. Philosophy. Um, yeah, interesting. Interesting. Uh, so it's like quite all abro- all a spread apart, isn't all it? All interesting subjects. Yeah, in definitely. My, in my mind. Definitely. Um, this is this sort of leads on from that. This is another interesting um, fact. Um, 
Apparently, uh, if people you know wonder why witches are uh, often depicted wearing pointy hats. Apparently, it's, what it stems from is in the Middle Ages in England, uh, women apparently did most of the beer brewing, um, both at home and to pick up cash at market stalls. Um, and they often wore conical hats to attract customers. Obviously, say you're at a market mm. in the Middle Ages, you know, let's face it, you know, women in general are a bit shorter than men. They want to attract customers. There's lots and lots, there's hundreds of people around. You want to sort of stick out. So they would wear big conical hats to make them stick out. Um, and they would st- stir their, their brews, their, their, their beer, in cauldrons. Whoa, yeah. that's uh, so cool. And they would also keep cats around so that the local mice and rats wouldn't start going, you know, biting through the grain bags and start getting, getting all the grain and stuff like that. Um, and then it said that with the arrival of the Reformation in the early 16th century, um, often came, you know, of course, came the witch hunts. Mm. Um, seeing an opportunity to cut down on their competition, um, also male brewers began accusing their female peers of being on the dark side, Aww. which forevermore linked witches to pointy hats, cauldron and black cats. And also an interesting point to this day, to this very day in Britain, the vast majority of brewers are men. So it's almost like put off women for life. <laughs> but for like, not for life, for like history. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting fact though, isn't it? That's so crazy. Yeah. So cool. Another cool history fact. Um, did you know that the largest fossilised poo um, ever found belongs to a sick Viking in the 19th century um, and is today being valued at $39,000? So you can buy the giant poo for thirty nine thousand. <laughs> it's um it the large poo, officially known as the Lloyd's Bank coprolite. Um <laughs> coprolite is just a word for fossilized poo. Um yeah, it's uh, a twelve hundred year old log that is thought to be the largest ever poo rec- in recorded human history. It's eight inches long and two inches wide. Um and it was a specimen discovered in York in north northwest England in nineteen seventy two by construction workers during the building of a Lloyd's TSB branch in an area once ruled by Norse warriors. Um, and of course, it takes its name from from the Lloyd's Bank. So yeah, it's known as the Lloyd's Bank Copperlite. <laughs> the largest poo ever, but it was, uh, yeah, was owned by, well, we know that, yeah, that it was, it, was, it was a poo of a Viking who lived in, ninth, in the 9th century in York. Damn. Interesting. I remember hearing as well um, that the poo was sort of, you know, little bits of it was like chipped off to like study and stuff and apparently you can tell from the poo that the viking that had it had like savage worms and stuff oh yeah oh. i remember you saying in like medieval times and that like everyone just had worms mm. and just yeah because like, like horrible because i remember saying about it like you know you watch like vikings or something and you'll see like all the hot chicks like lag there and that and the, the temptation is you think like oh man yeah i'd like to live back in those days mm. it's so. like no nah, you wouldn't dude mm. because even if you found a chick that lived, looked like lagatha like you wouldn't want to bump uglies with her because you'd probably get some horrible Venereal disease. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you might you might have gotten lucky and not, but I mean, as I said, a lot of the beds back in those days had lice and mm. all sorts, dude. Oh. You heard about the bed bug like yeah. spread this going on at yeah, the moment. Yeah, from France. That sounds pretty savage. And now it's like in London as well. Yeah, oh, but Londoners can keep that to themselves, man. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. how is that even like uh, the the thing when I saw it? How do we even stop that? Like the bed bugs well, just die by themselves. Surely, must have treat- there, surely there must be a treatment. For Apparently, that. but it's like you've on got all to public transport fum- and stuff. Oh, it's crazy! And you so got like to get how- fumigators in. The only way yeah. to stop it is fumigators. I guess. Apparently. I guess the problem is, is that oh, often with things like that, you don't know it's there until there's a really big infestation. Yeah. And then obviously, once it happens, you obviously have to cut that, say that bus off or whatever from public use or that that train, and then you need to get fumigators in. So I guess it's mm. a time thing. Like you know, I know that you know, like for people, if they ever say that get like fleas in their house because of their cats and their dogs. Um, you know, let's face it, yeah, you need to get like proper flea treatment, don't you? Mm. You basically have to fumigate the house. 
And obviously you can't like be in the room where you're doing it either because it's like poisonous. So you have yeah. to like spray the hell out of it and basically essentially like run out of the room and you have to like leave the house for a few hours. And you have mm. to like leave the house for like four hours and come back. Savage. That's like such an annoying thing to have to do, isn't it? Mm. Especially yeah. if it's like everyone in the country's getting it. This is a bit like the point Brutal. I was trying to make about sort of how I think it's like dangerous for the culture though with almost like the, the spread of false information as well though. I also see it as like culturally the ramifications aren't necessarily people just knowing not you know like basically being very confused and almost having these like acolyte type mentalities where they believe a lot of things that aren't true it can literally lead to the down the downfall of civilizations like that might sound like a very grandiose statement or at least damage your culture you know it can damage your culture and almost make you regress and this is almost like to me is almost like could potentially be an example of that you know like you think of mm. like Oh yeah, you know. Well, in the medieval times, there would have been like uh, savage, like uh, like lice and stuff on the beds that would have just like bitten people every night. But we don't have to worry about mm. that nowadays. Well, apparently there, there's this freaking epidemic of of bed bugs that are mm. spreading out through France and now into, and it's already in 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 London. <laughs> like you'd think, man, you know, this is like twenty. You know, this is we're living in twenty twenty three. You know, like surely we shouldn't have to worry about something like this, mm. but we do. Mm. It's just it's like what the hell, you know? It's like what the hell. So it's like in some ways civilization can devolve we we take it for oh, granted that thinking yeah. that things can be linear but of course of course it's not linear problems arise and yeah, yeah. It, you have to almost like stay on track and if you're not on track you're either going to stagnate or even regress mm. um, and that's obviously the 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 thing that you need to be really really cautious of um, i think we've, we've talked about this on the pod before a little bit but um just to reiterate it and also bring in some some more facts basically just going on about how insane insanely 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 old sharks are <laughs> so to put that into perspective did you know that sharks are older than the north star in the sky whoa that's Damn, a matter isn't it son. sharks are older than the north star that's crazy yeah so literally the star that you see in the sky is younger than sharks that's ridiculous isn't that mad that's actually crazy like older as in older when it was born because it would have been, obviously, we get the... the Evolved. Uh, what is it? The light years. Between. Yeah, I mean, I think so. so I think if it it's just, including that, that's I think, crazy. I think it just straight up means, like, yeah, like, just straight up, like, it's older. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, ridiculous. Another thing that wouldn't have been around in the universe when the first shark evolved, um, Saturn's rings. Saturn's <sighs> rings only sort of developed in the atmosphere of Saturn 100 million years ago. Whoa. So, I mean... There would even been like a hell of a lot of dinosaurs that are older than Saturn's rings. Mm. Um, for people that don't know, the first shark evolves before the first dinosaur. I mean, even that's a mad fact, mm. isn't it? Because we think of dinosaurs as so long ago, which they, let's face it, they were. Mm. They went extinct 66 million years ago. That was extinct. Mm. That wasn't they evolved 66 million years ago. They went extinct 66 million years ago, but sharks are still older than them. Um, yeah. Uh, apparently, one galactic orbit of the sun is um, lasts between 200 to 225 million years. Um, so, uh, galactic and, orbit, yeah. yeah what even cool. is that? Your galaxy, the whole Dude, galaxy, the whole galaxy orbiting again, the sun. Mm. Um, yeah, so shark and sharks have been around older than that. That's even crazy, that. that's mad, isn't it? That's absolutely crazy. Um, this is this was a cool, like, almost like fun little fact. I didn't know, know about this. I mean, let's face it, in the grand scheme of things, it's not one of his more um, noteworthy inventions, but I still thought it was pretty cool and just goes to show that he was he's been like a lifelong innovative fellow. Um, Elon Musk, the renowned entrepreneur and innovator, has always displayed a knack of creativity and technology from a young age. One of the lesser-known aspects of his early life is his passion for video games. Musk indeed dabbled in game development, even as young as 12 years old. <laughs> in 1984, when he was just a preteen, 
Elon Musk created a simple video game he called Blaster. He coded the game on his Commodore VIC-20, a popular home computer at the time. Blaster was a basic but engaging space-themed game where players piloted a spaceship, battling enemies and navigating through obstacles. Elon Musk's entrepreneurial spirit was already evident in this endeavour. He didn't just create the game for personal enjoyment, he saw an opportunity to share it with others. He even published the source code for Blaster in a magazine called PC in Office Technology, inviting readers to try their hand at coding improvements and potentially win prizes. Although Blaster may not have reached the same level of famous Musk's later inventions like X, um, SpaceX, Tesla or Neuralink, it remains a significant testament to his early interest in technology and his willingness to share his creations with the world. I do think that's mad, like... Mm-hmm. It's just pretty cool to think that he just like coded a game on his Commodore mm. when he was like twelve. Mm. Like twelve is still really young, man. Very young. What's that like? First year secondary school? Yeah. Like that's mad. Man, I was struggling with Mario. Struggling <laughs> to play Mario. Yeah, as let, well. let alone code yeah. Mario, dude. Like <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Um, I thought this is. I mean, let's face it, cetaceans. One of our favourite uh, things to talk about on the pod are cetaceans. We love our cetaceans, whales and dolphins. Um, did you know that there are. Uh, only four other species um, in the world other than humans uh, that have significant lifespans uh, post their reproductive lifespan. So post menopause, essentially. Um, and all of those are whales. They're all types of whales. Whoa. Uh, killer whales, short-finned pilot whales, beluga whales, and narwhales. Isn't that mad? Isn't that mad? Interesting. Only humans and four species of whales are known to have significant post-reproductive lifespans after their menopause. Yeah. Humans, Whoa. killer whales, short fin pilot whales, belugas, and whales. Isn't that amazing? Because I guess, like, as far as evolution is concerned, so done your job now. Yeah. Mm. Mm. If your only purpose in life essentially is to re- is like to procreate, mm. and then you can't do that anymore, it's almost like your your cells will just shut down. Yeah. And you'll die. Yeah. Whereas it's almost like humans and only four species of whales have just like subverted yeah. that. That's have crazy. Have just got past that. Isn't that crazy, man? Almost like there is like more of a purpose for for our species after. Yeah. After that period of life, I read an interesting fact about uh, cetaceans recently. Yeah. What was that? Uh, did you know long? I think it's called long sloths <coughs> um, can actually hold their breath longer than dolphins. Long sloths. Mm. Hmm, let's have a look. Long I think sloths. so, or maybe it was just sloths in general. But I think it said long sloths could hold. Um, I'll their, just type uh, in like sloth breath holding, holding breath and see. I'm surely, surely it would say holding. Yeah, long sloth. Long sloth. I say I've never heard of a long sloth, but I'm not a sloth expert. Mm. Um, a guide to sloths. <laughs> According to experts, sloths can hold their breath for up to 40 minutes. Damn, son. I can't see. It doesn't necessarily that say a specific long. type of sloth. It just says sloths. Right. So I assume that means all species of sloth, if it just yeah. says sloths. I wonder if there is like one out there that is just like, I can hold it for like days. That's weird you know, as well, considering cool. I don't think they spend much time in the water. No. So that's almost like a fascinating that adaptation. Like, Usually it's got real you, bad apnea and a real yeah. <laughs> Usually you have to like animals who spend time in an environment and then adapt to it. Mm. Like we've talked about with like horses and their hooves and stuff before, mm. about how they didn't used to have hooves. Um yeah, so that's that's a very interesting fact, isn't it? Um this is a this is a interesting fact. I mean, I've been a massive proponent of this for a long time, obviously. But um yeah, uh new review study shows that the health benefits of weight training are underappreciated. Uh, this is a great new review on the health effects of strength and endurance training. Endurance training typically gets most of the credit for health benefits of exercise. So, you know, running, things like that. Um, but strength, can, strength training can, in many respects, elicit similar health benefits. Um, 
goes on to say the researchers say the health benefits of weight training are underappreciated. They describe the following benefits of weightlifting, healthy aging, improved mobility and functionality for the elderly and sick, greater cognitive function, improved survival from cancer, better met metabolic health. Um, impact of resistance training on metabolic health um, will, if you if you do a little bit of weight training, you can um, you can prevent the decline of muscle mass. Um, uh, you can prevent the obviously as we all age, basically we start breaking down. But you can prevent the breakdown of metabolic uh, inflexibility, um, glucose intolerance, things like that. If you weight train on a regular basis, um, you can preserve and even gain muscle mass you will have what's called glycemic control. Um, you will have metabolic flexibility, um, insulin sensitivity, and glucose tolerance, which basically means that you could have lots of sugar and not have to worry about getting mm. things like diabetes. Mm. Um, together, these improve morbidity and mortality independent of endurance exercise. So independent, so even if you didn't do um, like things like running. Mm. Uh, but then it goes on to say, obviously, that doesn't mean that one is necessarily better than the other. It's just saying that at the moment, in scientific literature, endurance exercise is usually it's it's treated like it's it's better a lot better than weight training than it really is mm. you know what i mean and as the more evidence is coming out it's showing that they are both actually about equal um so you know if somebody was say overweight or had health conditions your gp might say try try and go out for a walk a bit more but you could say try and go out for a walk a little bit more and maybe buy some some cheap dumbbells and just you know try and find like a nice little routine online or something mm. that you can do at home you know be like a better than just saying just go out for a walk yeah endurance and strength training are both great for your health and offer but um partially unique health benefits the researchers argue that weight training um be placed at the forefront of physical activity guidelines alongside aerobic training mm. nice so that's a that's a nice little one so yeah pick up your dumbbells guys mm -hmm. get doing those push-ups mm-hmm uh, yeah, Bullwinkle, did you want to talk about some um, ah, some Roman facts that you found? Some Roman facts, bringing it uh, full circle. Yeah, um, yeah. this was just off a, an interesting post I saw. I thought some of these were really, really good facts and stuff we'd talk about. So yeah. I'll start with this. Did you know that the Roman emperor Caligula uh, loved his horse named Incitatus right. so much I did know this, yeah. that he gave him a marble stool, yeah. an ivory manger... A jeweled collar and even a house. Yeah, he was nuts, man. Yeah, Caligula, Caligula also allegedly planned to make his trusty steed consul before his assassination. How hilarious is that? Was it Caligula that um, waged war on Poseidon and or Jupiter, as he would have known, it, and got him to try? Oh. And then, like, he ordered his armies to go down to the beach and like stab the water. Really? Yeah. It was either it was either like Nero or Caligula yeah. or something like that. It was one of the it was one of the crazy. Yeah, numbers. yeah, yeah. I'll quickly try and find out who that was. Have you got another That's fact hilarious. you can say while I look it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know that Roman women used lead-based cosmetics, which was harmful to their health and I, contributed yeah, to this. some health issues? I think okay. even a lot of their drains were lead. Really? Were made from lead. So I think you would say like the water that came out of your end, mm. <laughs> out of your end, made out of your bum, <laughs> um, yeah, would have been poisonous. Oh my god! It's like um, what's that color green that used arsenic? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, and yeah. it just like the killer green. Everyone. It's yeah, just, it's just known as the color green. The killer green. Yeah. Uh, did you know this? This one's quite cool. This is something that if I was to think of ancient Rome, I wouldn't think of this. Ancient Rome used to be covered in graffiti 
just like today mm. that usually their graffiti was scratched into the stone and not painted on with colour. You can see that in Pompeii. Mm. If you go to Pompeii, there's lots of lots of graffiti on the walls. Yeah. Yeah, lots of graffiti. That's so walls. cool, isn't it? Like that makes it feel when you think of like ancient Rome, you don't think of it being that kind of modern city of like graffiti everywhere, but it still would have been. Mm. Like that makes yeah. it almost feel more like realistic like you go to, to imagine. When you just like see like a low or like you know yeah. when you're on a train and you come yeah, out of the train yeah, station, yeah, there's yeah. always like loads of graffiti on the walls. It was Caligula, by the way. Caligula, the mad emperor who declared war on the sea. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. What a nuts guy. So good. Um, did you know that tradition has it Rome had seven kings before it became a republic the last Tarquin the Proud Tarquin (laughs) Tarquin the Proud he sounds like a nerd man (laughs) (laughs) doesn't he he was disposed in 509 BC in a revolt led by the Lucius Junius Brutus the founder of the Roman Republic and now elected consuls would Man, rule. The Romans love a good revolt. Yeah. The Romans love a good revolt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we don't like our leader. Let's just kill him. Let's so, just off him. Do you know more about that? Because I, I, I have heard before that it was like seven kings, but how does that work? No, I mean, I just know that the founding of Rome in mythology was that Romulus and Remus were like um, brought up by a wolf. <laughs> and what? that, yeah, yeah, that's like in, in Roman mythology, the start of Rome was that Romulus and Remus um, were two brothers that were raised by a wolf, um, and um, Rome gets its name from Romulus. Whoa! I was watching a I was watching a podcast recently on it, and they were saying that um, it almost Rome used to be like a place without rules for a time, Mm. so it was like everyone would just go there to to like escape law and escape their punishments. And at one point, it would have just been like this bunch of like bandits that would have lived in Rome. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's pretty crazy. I mean, during obviously the heyday of the Greeks and stuff. I mean. Obviously, there was no Roman Empire, or Ro- or there wasn't even like Rome. I don't mm. know. What, I don't know what the settlement of Rome was called at the time. As I said, I know it was called Rome because of Romulus. So mm. I mean, the orgies must have been insane, man. Yeah, man. Mm. Some of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, watch Spartacus, everyone. Watch Spartacus, oh. and you'll see plenty. Yeah. Uh, did you know that the nephew and heir of Julius Caesar? Roman Emperor Augustus had an estimated net worth. Actually, guess what his net worth was. What, in like modern money? Yeah. I know, like 8 billion. What's your guess, Drew? 12 billion. 4.6 trillion. Whoa! Trillion dollars. That's ridiculous. That's nice, man. That's literally just like came to the end of the pod. So that's a nice way to nice. run that. Literally, on the final note, I heard an interesting thing recently. That was basically saying about how, you know, a lot of us think about how the Roman Empire came to an end and it did in terms of its militaristic sort of campaigns and stuff. But a lot of people are saying, you know, in terms of their wealth and anything, they didn't really lose anything. The majority of the wealth that was attained by the Roman Empire conquering all of the civilizations that they did is pretty much all still in the Vatican. Whoa. The Vatican to this day is one of the wealthiest places on the planet, even though it's a tiny place. Mm. And, it, and pretty much in the vaults of the Vatican is pretty much all of the stuff that was stolen by the Roman Empire to this day. Whoa, Isn't that that's crazy. And on that note, folks, thanks for joining us for another Pandora's Box. We hope you've enjoyed it this evening. We shall see you next week. Until then, have a lovely week, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Bye-bye. Cheerio.